0: Welcome to the 29th episode of Project Studio Tea Break. I am Mike Senior and I am here with Germany's answer to Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston, John (laughs) Witten. One day... One day, Mike, I'm going to get to introduce you, and that will be my revenge. That day will be when I pour forth all the, like, the stored vitriol of these subtle and less than subtle jazz. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me back for the 29th month in a row as Project Studio Tea Break special guest. Mike, now, I have to ask, because this is called the Project Studio Tea Break. Mm. It's a podcast designed to be made by hard-working, you know, labourers at their computer. (laughs) What's your last month? involved there, (laughs) Mike? Well, it's involved a week of kind of half-hearted work on the back of being on holiday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know it's that kind of slow burn thing. You kind of get back and you look at your pile of email and you oh, and you just can't quite face it and, <laughs> and you're still in that kind of drinking a glass of wine at lunch mentality that puts paid <laughs> to any real decent work in the afternoon. Okay, fair enough. Is the is the pile dwindling or at least the backlog dwindling? Yes, uh, thankfully now the the email mountain has been chopped down to size i don't know where my metaphors have gone there but (laughs) (laughs) yes no that's a bit of a mix a fancy margarita of a metaphor (laughs) indeed but yes as you say i've just come back from from northern italy where i was climbing mountains or sections of mountains (laughs) or kind of the beginning or walking towards mountains surrounded by vineyards bending low and picturesque lakes. Very nice. It was. And of course, as I alluded to in my introduction, there's been the Boo Boo Killer King sensation. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you um, all the tea breakers who who were good enough to show up. Um, we smashed our fundraising goals which will keep the youth theatre alive next year and i only realized in retrospect that i facepalmed spectacularly we had a a lounge a digital lounge for audience members to come and meet the kind of cast and creatives and mike turned up which i was very excited about and i you know i asked if he had any questions and he his mouth started moving, and no audio came through. And I think I think I'd introduced you as a sort of a real audio and music technology guru. <laughs> there you were doing a guppy impression at a webcam. What what happened? I have no idea. I think it's because I've been I've been footling about with my web laptop and to do various video and live streamy things, and I just clearly had some kind of wrong driver had been installed or something. <laughs> Uh-oh. But yes, thank you so much for thank you so much for your coming and and, and your thoughts and your correcting of one filmmaker on her uh, application of Dungeons & Dragons rules. That was a personal favourite part of (laughs) mine. Double damage. Of course it's double damage. Now I do have a little bit of follow-up on last month's episode. Okay. Because remember that um, you brought up the tremendous YouTube video I Play Trombone to My Cows. Oh my good, I do. What we failed to mention is what he's playing to his cows. Oh yeah. Which is Lord's Royals. (laughs) (laughs) I've forgotten that. So brilliantly incongruous. Yes, you're right. You're quite right. I mean, I wonder whether he takes requests. (laughs) (laughs) Can you do, who let the dogs out? (laughs) I I wonder if the cows come to anything besides Lords, Royals. I wonder if they deign to turn up. Maybe. Maybe he's been going through all the songs that he knows for years and years. Mm. And the cows have just ignored him. (laughs) You're right. it, It is Royals, isn't it? And also... I just, off the top of my head, quipped that, oh, it'll be I play guitar to my budgie next. (laughs) Sure enough. (laughs) No. YouTube has delivered (laughs) some guy (laughs) playing guitar to his budgie. And actually, there's one of them where it seems like it's almost like singing along with him. That's insane but singing budgies aside there is also some other news i need to break gently to you john yeah sadly this month we do not have a new patron w- what and i got out of bed for this. we have I d- two new patrons what oh, oh yes thank god i might even put on trousers for this recording steady steady <laughs> <laughs> we have rhino l and leon b and leon b is my new favorite person for two reasons please do tell me why the first being that he sent me a mail saying i'm painting the house and i can point you to quite sloppy paintwork where i had to laugh so hard because of you too <laughs> oh leon <laughs> i would love i would love some visual proof of that <laughs> exactly yeah uh, and also of course because um he's now made it 4-3 in my favor <gasps> no <laughs> No! <laughs> I'm once more in the lead. I now do is once more being smacked down. Dragged through the mud. Mm-hmm. This is unacceptable and I need, I need my army of ambient piano wallpaper to <laughs> rise up and strike back. Speaking of ambient wallpaper, I did check out Generative FM and it is splendid. Isn't it just? It's really, really good. Yeah, that's been my soundtrack for a bunch of this month as well. And the thing is, unlike a lot of stuff that I've thought of as Generative before, it's actually a pleasant listen. I mean, it kind of seems random, but it seems like it's musically random as opposed to just random random. Yes. Does that make sense? Random squared. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is. And it's it's interesting because, of course, that isn't part of Brian Eno's famous definition that that it must... Never repeating that must go on forever He never said it has to sound nice Yes But it's a nice addition when people do find a way to kind of square that circle A nice side effect when music sounds any good <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's our controversial opinion So wait, this is the way Leon B has voted mm. And I, I see he's still very welcome in our family Because we accept traitors of all colours here <laughs> and, but, but was there another vote cast, Mike? No, we only have about a 50% voter turnout so far <laughs> There are those who've abstained. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just don't want to provoke the ire of, of one them. That must be it. Or maybe they're, they're working hard to avoid the affection of the other. I mean, I'm not sure which is more onerous. <laughs> it could be that. Uh, <laughs> the fawning adulation that, <laughs> yes! would, that would transpire. I, I'm so tempted and I, I'm not sure how Leon would feel about this or indeed the people who are forced to share living space with Leon, but I'm so tempted <laughs> to like go to a, a laser engraver yeah. and get a small brass plaque with Project Studio Tea Break 2020 written in it, which can be screwed at the point of the sloppy paintwork. <laughs> Just a small, discreet plaque. This paintwork was brought to you by Project <laughs> yes, Studio <yeah>. Tea Break. <laughs> Well, John, I've been away on holiday for two or three weeks. I've lost touch with the world. I'm out of date. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you can do to remedy this situation? You know what, I can and it's lucky you asked, Mike, because this has been a hectic last month. Not one, but two things have happened. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about them both. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's been... Barely stopping. There's been something on the one hand and on the other. (laughs) It's it's a madhouse in here. (laughs) So our most newsy news, as I know you are aware, is that Mm -hmm. Q magazine is over. It's gone. It's done. Yes. Can you remember your first interaction with Q British Music magazine that began in 1986? I don't know whether I have a first interaction, but that was the magazine that I most regularly bought. Right. Particularly during the late 90s, early 2000s okay because i got into kind of pop music and rock music and stuff quite late right Then I just started buying things on their recommendation. Like I bought um, OK Computer off the back of their review, for example. Oh, great. Okay. But uh, there were two things I liked about it. One was just the fact that it gave me this broad range of opinions about lots of different music styles and kind of educated me a bit of of stuff I didn't know about. Mm. And also the history of it that I wasn't as much part of. I was able to contextualise this stuff for you. Yeah. Yeah. But it was also the fact that every single picture caption... (laughs) was making fun of what was, was. in the picture. <laughs> With some sort of tongue in cheek. Yeah. It always was. I just I vividly remember one that was of Nirvana all sitting around in ripped jeans looking moody and the caption was mm-hmm. bands suffered during the debilitating Seattle denim shortage. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, and you know, you could have told me that caption alone and I could have told you it was from Q. Yes. It wasn't a popular tone, but they absolutely took it. On looking back through various bits of Q memorabilia, it's become clear to me just how much the DNA of this show... O's to Q Uh, There's two Two particular features Which stood out for me Oh I bet I know one of them Have a guess The who the hell article (laughs) No No But the who the hell Do they think they are Yes that one Yes no that's a third one That was a Oh that was really good Anyway go on sorry I interrupted you No not at all So they did a lot of lists Yes Of you know Albums of the year Artists of all time Yes Hairdresser of the month (laughs) And so 40 celebs About whom we only know one thing (laughs) Without even getting into the list, it's a wonderful, wonderful concept and I think could make for a really good party game. Yes. You know, each team has to come up with a list of these and if the other team can name more than one thing, then you lose. What I was thinking is, each team comes up with a list of celebs Mm. and the one thing that they think they're known for. Oh, right. And then you have to see whether the other team guesses... That thing. The correct one thing. That you think is the one thing they're known for. So, my first thought on this game is Sting. Okay, you're right. Because everyone knows one thing about Sting. And it's so desperately unfair because like him or hate him, the man's been hugely influential, he's important, Mm. relevant Mm. um, in music for a long time. But then he did this one interview. Yes. And I'm curious if we were playing this game, whether you... Okay, okay. There's one word that I think would sum up what I think you're talking about with Sting. And it's the word... (laughs) Hey! So we can confirm that Sting is banned from this game because it's too easy. Or if I said Ozzy Osbourne. Bat. There you go. You see? Yeah, we did it straight away. It's like a telepathic connection through <laughs> pop culture. Because again, Ozzy Osbourne has done a lot in his career. <laughs> of course he has. And yet somehow that is absolutely the thing that the thing that comes through. I don't know if that's good PR or bad PR. Oh wow. I wonder, are there any more? Oh, there've gotta be loads of them, surely. Mm. I'm just trying to think. Um, Well, I mean, you could say like Freddie Mercury. Well, my straight goes to the fact that there were people who were surprised when he came out. (laughs) That this mustachioed, leather-jacketed, otherwise topless man. Same with George Michael, actually. Well, yeah, Elgin John (laughs) did I'm Still Standing and then came out. And there were people who were surprised. Like, he felt it was necessary, but weirder still it was. (laughs) I mean, it's also difficult because there are some artists for whom there are a bunch of different things that have been kind of iconic for them. And you don't know which one someone would go to as the one thing that they would choose. My epitome of that would be Michael Jackson. Exactly! Michael Jackson's an impossible one to do with this game. Okay, okay. Pop quiz. Okay. I would think dangling a child out a hotel room window. Oh, interesting. I went to like the birth of the music video. Oh, well, like Motown 25 or something. Well, and and then bad specifically. Yeah. But then obviously, yeah, there's his- Allegations. Allegations. (laughs) Um, There's him being mooned by Jarvis Cocker at the Brit Awards. I didn't know that, but I'm so glad that I do. (laughs) Oh, okay, here's one for you. Yeah. Kanye West is equally impossible. Well, it's difficult now that he's run for president. <laughs> okay, pre-presidential Kanye, what would your one thing be? Uh, jumping on stage at an award ceremony that someone else had won. Yes! <laughs> Kanye and Taylor Swift, that is also mine. Yep, yep. That's, that's my go-to epitomising him. You see, this is a blockbuster game, this is. <laughs> I completely agree. But yeah, you could, you could broaden it to celebrities, you could broaden it to composers. If I told you John Cage, I'm pretty sure we'd both arrive at the same thing. Four minutes and 33. There we go. bell would be easy. Yes, boom goes the cannon. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to Q Magazine. Back to Q Magazine. That was one of the two features that stuck out to me as having definitely influenced our uh, humble homage in style. The other was, you may have heard of it, do I have to wear this, boss? No. This was a feature about how every band has a member who looks incredibly uncomfortable and out of place in the <laughs> lineup. In any publicity shot you see... Oh, yes. Then there is one member of the band for whom these tight leather trousers just aren't a thing, or whatever the stage uniform or the look mm. that's been decided on is. Yeah. For me, this was always the bassist of Franz Ferdinand, who openly <laughs> admitted in interviews to prefer painting to music. Oh, right, right. And (laughs) And I I I don't know if if any of our listeners will remember, but Franz Ferdinand made a bit of a stir by always performing in suits. Right. This wasn't kind of Victorian or steampunk or anything. It was just well-dressed lads mm. and this was a statement for them that people have turned up to hear them and they're not going to turn up in ripped jeans and whatever so yeah fine yeah um but yeah I've never seen an unhappier person than the bassist of Franz Ferdinand who <laughs> I would bet good money never tied his own tie no one who looks that grumpy has taken the time to tie his own tie it's like if I'm gonna wear this stuff you're gonna tie that tie <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and, and again, I am certain oh. that every concert before he we went on stage, someone had to check his collar that <laughs> it had been folded down properly. <laughs> his shirt tails were tucked in. His shoelaces were tied. Yeah, yeah, the shoes were polished up, kind of to an acceptable level. Oh, good, yeah. So that is boss. Do I have to wear this? Do you think that this would apply to Abba? <laughs> Because I wonder whether that might actually be one of those rare, joyous occasions where they were all equally invested in the tremendous outfits that they were wearing. You know, I think, I think it might be. I think they were an irony-free zone. <laughs> so, RIPQ. RIPQ, thank you for all your excellent work. I just want to leave us with one... Wonderful picture caption. <laughs> I mean, a picture caption should be on their tombstone. I mean, maybe we need a tombstone competition for Q. <laughs> oh God, we do. We might. Do. Calling out to all <laughs> producing your tea break listeners, everyone in the earshot of our voice, we are running a tombstone epitaph competition for Q. Now wait, do we in fact need a picture to be captioned here? Well, no. I think imagine that there's the graveyard that has Q's grave in it. Okay. What would be on the headstone? And look, this is the level that you're working at, okay? They had a picture. This is, this is the level we need to see from these submissions. Mm. They had a picture of Led Zeppelin <laughs> kind of really rocking out and Robert Plant up front, just kind of howling into the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Captioned the horse foreman of the apocalypse. Oh, Christ. And is that not... Oh, my God. Just the most delectable, that is, delectable bit of writing. That's just poetry, isn't it? <laughs> and you know, wow. you know from the bottom of your heart that that's not one person's work. That is a three-hour lunch yes. of the entire editorial staff <laughs> kind of going round in circles until this eventually emerged. I can totally imagine that it was a long and boozy lunch that gave <laughs> yes. rise to that pearl. Our second little newslet is more of just kind of a an update on the British musical theatre and kind of we, we stray into theatre scenes under the current situation. Okay. Most theatres have just stopped, especially in the West End where, if you can believe it given the price of the tickets, the margins are Mm. wafer-thin for anyone except the owner of the theatres. Yes. uh, Which in 9 out of 10 cases is Andrew Lloyd Webber, which (laughs) is a whole scandal all of its own. Yes. So if you ever wonder how he gets his musicals put on in so many large theatres. It's the same way that you get yourself put on in your living room. You just sort of show up and it's your cool. It's the way you cook in your own kitchen. Yes, there you go. You are the master chef of your own kitchen. Yes. If you get to pick what channel your TV is on, Mm. then that is the same kind of bar that Joseph passed. Right. We maybe need to bleep this bit out. (laughs) I don't want to burn too many bridges with his majesty. So as some people may know, from halfway through August... Theatres and music venues were given the green light to reopen. Mm. Although kind of in a fairly predictable move at this stage... The guidance was very unclear. And as I understand it, because of the margins, most theatres have to fill at least 70% of the seats to break even. So Mm. they're basically militating that they have to have fewer seats filled than that. So it's kind of unworkable even though they've opened it up. Mm -hmm. The distancing is a bit complicated because obviously you don't have to distance from people you live with. So theatres are having to have groups of two or three seats. But then, of course, if you don't get enough threes, then you're in trouble. Uh, One theatre which is just doing outdoor work has got an interesting idea. They sell... Little kind of squares of land, plots, little plots, yeah, with drama like, allotments, dra- <laughs> precisely, <laughs> with with a table and as many chairs as you like for a hundred pounds. Okay. And you can turn up by yourself, or you can turn up with a total of four or five people. So, are the ticket towels now subletters? Well, no, this is (laughs) exactly... We're in a real estate situation now, (laughs) which is hilarious. But, of course, there are other restrictions, namely that the actors, believe it or not, are people too. Yeah. They just don't get paid like it. Mm. But so, they have to socially distance on stage. Wow. And there aren't that many plays about people who never go anywhere near each other. (laughs) Um, Are we about to see a massive revival in interest for Waiting for Godot? Well, waiting for Godot would be completely impossible. Or the vagina monologues. Well, so talking well, heads. Monologues, monologues, you say. So the bridge theatre, the <laughs> national theatre, um, a lot of different theatres are doing a season of monologues. Wow. With socially distant seating. That's coming back. But where is the invention here? I mean, I have drama companies down as being an inventive bunch. You know, they're forever taking your, your Shakespeare tradition and turning it on its head and doing inventive things with it. Actually, that is exactly the kind of challenge I would expect a two- or three-person company to be all over. To really rise to. As an actual statement, to sell it as, marvel at how we managed to put on a meaningful production in a socially distanced manner. Mike, you're you speaking my language. And th- there are those who are innovating. I start I'm just starting with the worst. But okay, here's some... Goodish news i'm delighted to hear it so the donmar warehouse seems convinced that it is innovating well they have a reputation for it i mean they do their design for living brought noel coward to a whole new generation mm-hmm. and what they've done in this case is the audience members sit in individual booths okay and put on headphones and listen to an audiobook well thank heavens my life was missing that <laughs> I know, I know, as if people haven't been sitting in rooms listening to podcasts enough. Do, do subscribe to our podcast, it's very good. But Maybe it's just because they feel that so many people are now working from home, they miss their cubicles. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's cubicles with headphones on. Yes. Now, I, I will be clear, I haven't been, mm. nor would I. There may be something <laughs> that isn't in the reviews or the description. Yeah. But from everything I can hear, for all their use of meticulously sound designed and three-dimensional immersive soundscapes, which Mm. I guess means stereo, (laughs) which which is a pretty cool technology to be working in there, it really does sound like people are put into cubicles and played in audio. But Mm. there is, on the other hand, a French play. Okay. Now, this I would absolutely go and see. Mm -hmm. It originated in France. It's been adapted for London and it's called Contact. Okay. Which makes it almost ungooglable. <laughs> I will first say. <laughs> to name your play after a tab that every website on the internet has. Yes which is perhaps why it's actually called hyphen, etc. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's rather fun, because this is a play which happens in public. Okay. Happens in a public place. Audience members are given headphones and a special app to download, which tells them where the theatre show will take place. But none of the other members of the public going past will realise that there is a play happening. Okay. There are, I think... Three or four actors playing out this interaction. A, a woman is approached by someone who she believes is a stranger, and with the headphones you can hear their thoughts. Oh. As they perform. Wow. And I'm I'm not sure if that's recorded or performed live and broadcast, but it's a fascinating idea for me that this is happening right under the noses of other people walking past Tower Bridge or, or Greenwich Park or Yeah. I mean it is truly immersive drama. Is drama interwoven into daily life? Yes. That's great. Absolutely. I am excited that it's happening. And to me, this is exactly what you're talking about. This is theatre that would be unlikely to exist kind of at any other time. Mm. And, you know, works in part because none of these places can be crowded in the traditional sense. Yes. Because people are already kind of keeping away from each other. So what does it mean to have people interacting, to have an audience present, to have... People approaching people. And what what does the theatre even mean? Yeah. The world becomes the drama. It's like, I mean, it's almost generative. Mm. You know, there's no clear division between real life and unscripted stuff. You know, at what point does the performance start and end? Precisely. There's a John Cage piece where you are invited to kind of relax and attend to the sounds around you and... Yeah, Kind of sounds that are near, sounds that are far and invited to conceive them as music. But it's the ending of that piece that I've loved since I heard it, Mm. which is, to paraphrase, it something along the lines of now, keep doing that. Go about your life, but don't stop doing this piece. and And in exactly the same way, as you say, I hope so much that they have played with... How do you know who's an actor in this situation and who isn't? <laughs> How do you know if the people you're stupid? You'd of? hope that one of the people walking around with headphones is one of the actors. And absolutely, you would. I mean, this is the work that theater companies like Punch Drunk have been doing, like truly immersive theatre, but for the lockdown era. Yeah. actually, you know, I'll give a full-on shout-out because it is so ungooglable. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. This is running from the 31st of August to the 10th of October in locations around London. Their website is contact show.co.uk know john the project studio tea break audience are always curious to know our views on the crucial topics of the day <laughs> desperate for pearls of wisdom <laughs> that truly only only we can provide yes i'm familiar and so we have received the following question mm-hmm. it's from doris stredweather mm-hmm. she says i have a spare subwoofer i don't really need <laughs> is there anything i can use it for oh goodness what a, what a good hello doris what a good question One wonders how one winds up with a spare subwoofer first. These are not... Uh, Just imagine that you've had one of those multimedia systems Mm -hmm. and one of the satellites got bust. Okay, yeah. Because the subwoofer's the brain of it, isn't Mm -hmm. it? And if the satellites are bust, then, you know... Not much to be done. Or you've sold the speakers and not been able to sell the subwoofer. Right, yeah. Okay, so with my sense of realism kind of restored... Mm. If it's a big enough one, then turn any chair into a massage chair. It'll be my go-to. <laughs> Just kind of add, add Project Studio Tea Break favourite gaffer tape. Yes. Plug it into a a low drone. Yes. Give yourself a tone control on the armrest and um, (laughs) just get buzzed to oblivion. Yes. I mean, sticking with the furniture thing, I was thinking, you know, studio doors are much more substantial than your average door. Mm. So your average doorstop is not going to stop them closing, is it? (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I am being so overwhelmed by this sense memory. It's actually making me feel a little bit ill. (laughs) There's one time I I stayed on the floor of of a friend in London. Yeah. And they were playing me a bunch of music and they had a great big cavity subwoofer. Like a rocket powered thing. It was the worst subwoofer I've ever heard because <laughs> the cavity just had this like one resonant frequency. Oh, right. Right on the frequency of whoa. Yeah. And it was like swimming in in syrup but that sounds awesome so not that it was like swimming in expired milk which has started to curdle that kind of cottage cheesy kind of thing oh my goodness my it was so bad it has given me a probably irrational hatred of cavity speakers since then on if i if i see a big right. hollow space in there with a, with a sound hole i just assume it's going to sound awful right because of how unbearable that evening was it's there's some kind of resonant frequency of the human body as well, that if you hit that frequency you can start doing your damage? I think that's been used in, in military applications I think there was some investigation into it, but they worked out that the power they would need to put out was so exorbitantly high that it wasn't worth it, they might as well just bomb you instead <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say in a world where bullets work yeah. <laughs> um, it's, kinda, it's hard to be innovative in a fun way, so maybe it was in fact that exact frequency that the cavity was tuned to, it was awful though, one way or another <laughs> but if we're assuming a high Quality subwoofer. Yeah. Uh, You could convince your neighbors that you're having a more exciting time than you actually are. (laughs) I know it's that that characteristic party noise is just the low end of like some thumping. Yeah. So kind of point it down at your floor and. That's true. Yeah. You could just watch TV. Mm hmm. And then have your subwoofer going... (laughs) There you go. The whole time. Get a reputation in your apartment as a true party animal. I mean, I was thinking you could use it the opposite way round. Oh, yeah. I was wondering whether you could contact Mike, your washing machine, (laughs) and sit the subwoofer next to it out of phase that's incredible I'm very very into that and when it hits the spin cycle then you just get this eerie calm <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness I mean domestically I think there are a lot of potential uses for it my first thought was well turn any bathtub into a jacuzzi <laughs> 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 it's a wave machine for your otter <laughs> Turn any fish tank into a less populated fish tank. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Into anchovies. Into a kind of a biological lava lamp. (laughs) Yes, exactly. What else could you contact, Mike? Well, sticking with domestic environments, I was thinking you could just use it as like a cocktail shaker or (laughs) butter churner or something. Yes. Sure, there's got to be stuff like that. If you're going to cannibalise it for parts, you've got a big old speaker. See... I can still remember the disappointment the first time I took apart a speaker. Right. Because I got to this magical piece, the cone, which wobbled all this sound out there. And I thought, God, I wonder what awesome, rigid, glassy, metallic material. Mm. And then, you know, you find out that it's this rubbish cardboardy stuff, which I'm sure is excellent (laughs) cardboardy stuff for acoustic properties. But as a 10-year-old kind of uncovering the joys of this, when you've already discovered copper wire, you can unwind for a mile and a half or just magnetic tape. Yes. Circuit boards, all this cool stuff. Silly putty. (laughs) Silly... Oh my... Legos. (laughs) Uh, Pokemon. But this is your level of over-simulation at a baseline. To discover that it's just a circle of cardboard... Yes. ...is deeply upsetting. Mm -mm. I still haven't quite got over that. Oh! Oh, yeah? Well, I mean, that's the classic thing you could do. You could take the subwoofer cone out, attach an XLR to it, and use it as a microphone. Oh, that would be... That's actually at the risk of finding a real use for it. (laughs) Your very own subkick. That would be amazing. Sub, sub subkick. Sub, sub subkick. Oh, Mike, I had stuff to do today. I'm now (laughs) desperately curious to hear how that sounds. Well, people used to do that with NS10 woofers. Really? Yeah, it's almost a standard studio technique now. Hmm. The subkick product was developed as a way of creating... a proper product that was mimicking that trick creating that sound that's really interesting because it's so big and heavy it doesn't respond to high frequencies at all and basically you just get a sub thud from it Mm. and because you have it suspended without its box it doesn't have any of the damping and inertia that it would have because of the box okay and so it then resonates more So you get this low frequency that's very resonant and has a sustain tail on it, but it's all just low frequencies. As you said, I think we've just accidentally happened on a brilliant idea. Mm. And, you know, your regular programming will will resume soon. (laughs) But I think that would absolutely be the answer. I want to hear what hand claps sound like through that. I want to hear what snares sound like through that. Mm -hmm. Have you got one? Could you do that? I've never had one myself because, to be honest... I've always found them a bit useless it's like whenever I get a multi-track that has the speaker cone thing or a sub kick track on it I always kind of heave a sigh and and throw it away pretty much because <laughs> usually it's just really kind of slow and sluggish and right okay. just makes the mess of your bottom end right for the sake of doing some kind of gimmick in the studio it's it's almost like one of these things that engineers do to go oh look what a creative and inventive engineer I, I'm going to do to impress new clients <laughs> and <they're> then <laughs> this write ups going to look great yeah it's totally like that okay no I can see that I'm I'm another option of course if you want to kind of keep it in the musical world which Mm. which we've barely touched on yet but would be to um stick some pencils in it (sighs) (laughs) yeah which i've recently heard is how the kinks got their guitar sound on all day and all of the night Uh, okay it's one of these mythical sounding things and who knows what really happened tell me more the story goes that um they were recording round around this song and and it wasn't sounding good so someone took a sharpened pencil and just stabbed a bunch of holes in the speaker cone in the speaker cone of the guitar app right and it gave it Perhaps unsurprisingly, a bit of a raw and rough and ready sound. Kel surprise, Kel And you know, it's not quite as reversible as a guitar pedal, but it's pretty rock and roll. Wow. And I don't know of that ever being tried with something as powerful as a subwoofer. Well, I mean, if we're going to go rock and roll, yeah? why not just chuck it out of a hotel room window? <laughs> I think it would be better than a TV. It's heavier. Yeah, absolutely. It's got more heft. If you had a long XLR cable, you could be playing music out of it as it plummeted whoa doppler effect subwoofer (laughs) yes spin it round your head you know they'd be on floor 10 you'd be on floor five and you'd hear this (laughs) (laughs) and that's the new apex twin album right there we've done it if mistakes make the man then you can just go ahead and call me Dwayne the Rock Johnson because I have <laughs> I've pulled off some doozies in my time. Mm. This is one from a little while ago, and often when I do these I'll I'll have a note sheet to kind of make sure that I, I don't forget anything. Yeah. I'm not worried about that with this one. This one I remember as clearly... It's crystal clear. It's crystal clearly as if it happened yesterday. Almost as if it were laser printed on the inside of your eyeballs. <laughs> Indelibly burnt into my psyche. So, some time ago, I was doing quite a lot of sound design work for films. Mm. So this basically involved creating ambient sounds for different settings. Okay, yeah. With occasional bits of kind of sound effects thrown in for specific moments within the scenes. All right. And I would get information about who was there and what they were doing. Mm, mm. it was nice work it was good work it was fun to be creative in that way um Mm. the the process my personal workflow was always just to begin with pulling every relevant sample i could find yeah so i have like my own folders of ambient noises do you like do lots of recording of foley and stuff on on, uh, when you're out and about do you carry a little recorder around you do that kind of stuff See, I've never had a nice enough recorder to do that. I would love to. Right. Some sort of nice portable recorder. But no, I I haven't. So all of my stuff is just kind of digitally held. But you've carefully curated and collected it. And it's in all those kind of folders that have names that no one else will understand. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. And they've all got very long, weird names. So I'll spend a pleasant couple of hours just pulling anything that might be relevant. Mm. And then just start playing, layering it up playing with depth of field and yeah and what the donmar warehouse would call 3d audio <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> And you know that there'll be something like a hundred different samples loaded in wow okay but then there'll be a muted track kind of somewhere towards the bottom of the project which I'll call Scrap Heap or something and (laughs) all the ones that aren't getting oh you're there (laughs) all the ones that aren't getting used just kind of get thrown around which are either because they I've already got something else that does the job better for this context Yes. or because I just pulled the wrong sample because I'm not always listening as I go so (laughs) maybe I've got like a horse whinnying for a cafe scene or something (laughs) so I'll just chuck that into Scrap Heap and I use a Scrap Heap instead of deleting because you never know if you're going to want to pull something back well also you kind of work from your scrap heap, don't you? You kind of have all the samples t- to start with yeah. and you slowly pull bits out of it yeah. and you don't know when you're going to need another element, so you want to keep your menu of sounds there. Yeah. yeah. Really good, sensible things. I get that. Now it's worth kind of taking a step back and saying this was a pitch for a slightly larger project Yeah. and this was me showing what I could do so I, I took a bit So more. it was a kind of a shootout yeah. situation. Yeah. Always a, a high stress kind of thing there. A little bit. Like I was keen to show what I could do so I, I really attended <laughs> to kind of getting each clip as clean as i could to start with and yeah trying to find nice dry samples so that the reverb i chose would be kind of unifying mm. i'll say first that the moral of this story is <laughs> listen back to your final bounce <laughs> yep <laughs> always 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 listen back to your final i know i know you've just spent the last six hours mm. playing it round and round in your head yep. but just try yep. try and have one more listen Because I finished this, and it sounded great. Yes. It sounded good, and I control A, control D, command R. Yes. Which is how you render in Reaper, and I I did it to WAV, obviously. Yeah. I will never know how the Scrap Heap became unmuted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there is no point in the workflow which involves it getting unmuted yeah. it was some time after i had received the no thank you email from them and gone back into the project and realized what happened it was a chunk of time after that that i had the courage to actually listen oh, to what i had sent them oh no as i have alluded to this was a quiet cafe scene In the southeast of England, and I had gone to the trouble of like finding out what season it was and getting some appropriate bird calls, (laughs) kind of really quietly in the background. Oh god, yeah, makes it so galling when you really put the effort in and try to put subtlety in it. God, yes, I had. It was it was kind of set in the nineteen twenties, and so I wanted a little bit of of car ambience, but I was careful not to get stuff that sounded like modern cars. Yes. Oh god. (laughs) And it was made clear in the script. This is what killed it. It would have been okay (laughs) if it had not been made clear in the script that there was a point where a horse rode past. Yes. Just kind of around. And they hadn't given like really exact timestamps. They just wanted an idea of how we would deal with something like that. (gasps) Okay. So I, as any responsible person would do, found 20 different horse samples (laughs) and then picked two of them. (laughs) To find the choice one. But of course (laughs) in the final version... You, what you're hearing <laughs> is someone rampaging through an overcrowded stable. Oh. You have clips and clops and neighings and braying. And a stampede. It's a stampede of horses. <laughs> and because i moved them all to the same place, it's not even spread out over the track. <laughs> it's just you get this kind of noisy cafe, and then suddenly... The horses <laughs> burst in. They just drop through the ceiling. Oh, wonderful. I wonder sometimes. I lie awake at night and wonder sometimes. Sometimes what they thought, I thought I was sending. Do you still have the file? I do somewhere, you know. I, 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 I <laughs> We should upload it. The reason that, that this is coming up now oh. is that it was when I was searching for random samples to do this remix with that I I happened across this file and I didn't open it this time because I didn't want to listen to it again. <laughs> oh but i will i will for, for you are breakers i will oh i will upload at least a chunk of it because it's about 10 minutes long and most of it's just quite boring but a bit noisy but i will yep. snip out the moment <laughs> the point where it happens i can give you some crumbs of comfort here though john oh yeah I am in a position where I probably have a, more experience than most people about things being submitted. Oh, yeah. Because I've judged a whole bunch of mixed competitions. Mm. And back when I was at Sound on Sound, we had like demo competitions where people send things in or that you had a demo column, people send things in. All right. And the number of times I had CDs or files sent to me mm. that were just blank. Oh, wow. That someone had done this work. Oh, no. And then sent a blank file. Mm. And the thing is, if there were a glitch in it, or if there were a crappy fade out, if there were some small element, yeah. you could believe that maybe they just listened to the beginning to check that it was there and then left it. Yeah. But with a blank file, it clearly means that they bounced it and never, ever listened to it again. And never chucked it in a CD player. And it happens so often. I think I could say that probably at least 20 times. Wow. I've had files submitted that have been just blank. And probably the same number again that have been obviously broken in some way. Right, that a single listen through would... You know, the sample rate's been wrong or it's been glitching or it's been massively distorted or there's only audio on one side or, Mm -hmm. you know, something obviously wrong. But also, I think there's another thing. I mean, you said there's definitely the lesson to be learned here, which is one of the cardinal rules of freelance work is always always listen to stuff you send out you are your last line of you are your editor you are the kind of (laughs) last line of defense between you and the world yeah but the second thing i would say is there's actually something else oh yeah because i know that there's this danger of muting something or unmuting it Mm. whenever there's something that i'm not using in a project i now pretty much always try and move it out of the timeline oh interesting move it to the end so just push it to like 15 minutes through the track to make sure that there's clear blue arrange window between any stuff that i'm not using stuff i am so then even in the very worst case Mm. that i bounce it without forgetting to select the right region of the track yeah it'll kick off with the stuff that i wanted them to hear (laughs) yeah and then and then worst case there will be five minutes of silence and then some weird noises and then a stampede of horses (laughs) We were talking about reactions to music. It would almost make it worth it if I could sit in and hear them hearing that, you know, alongside this. Gentle conversation scene. The soul does weep for not being a fly on the wall, there, doesn't it? Exactly, because here's the thing: for all that it didn't sound great, it's clearly someone put a bunch of work into this. It was layered, yeah. it was to brief, <laughs> and I don't. Maybe they just thought I was so eager to let them know that I'd seen their horse note But no. I was like, yeah. hey, don't worry. <laughs> well, what I was thinking is I was wondering whether you could have you could have misinterpreted it as a kind of a. Massive aggressive comment on the fact that they wanted you to put a horse sample in there. (laughs) It's like, you want a f***ing horse sample, I'll give you horse samples. (laughs) How how dare they ask me for a horse sample? Do they have any idea who I am? (laughs) So the time has come for our What's Your Jam segment. And of course, the What's Your Jam segment would not be complete. Couldn't be. Without a holder for said jam, mm-hmm. a vehicle for said jam, a platform, if you will. That's correct. So here it is, a jauntily spread square of toast. There, I have got to say, it's vigorously spread. I think. You know what? It's the Hemingwayan ideal of masculinity, is what it is. It's done with force and power, but with joy as well. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of Iron Rand without the um, violently um, <laughs> Naziist kind of undertones. Yeah. The, the, mm. the ideal of man is who's spreading butter on that toast. There's a certain butchness to it, I agree. It, no, it does. Mm. But, you know, I'm going to stand by it. A lightness as well. Mm. A miserable man would not spread his toast to a rhythm. That's true. There wouldn't be music there. Mm. Uh, there's nothing dolorous no. about that toast spreading. It's lovely, Mike. I want to hazard a guess, if I may... Fire away. Is it you blowing at a microphone? Guess again. My goodness. Okay. Is it a white noise generator that you put some very clever filtering on? That's really, really good guess. It's very close. Pink noise? But why would I use white noise? There's only one kind of noise I could possibly be using for this Toast Foley. Is it brown? (laughs) It's brown noise. (laughs) Wholemeal, whole whole grain noise. (laughs) Yes, it is our first pioneering electronic Toast Foley. I'm going to need a full rack breakdown, module by module. What exactly is being automated well, I mean, it's all entirely in the box. I mean, I'm an in-the-box kind of guy. I mean, you know, if I were the real deal, I'd be there with my little 500 series racks, mm. cables all over the place. But no, it's a plug-in chain. It's, <laughs> it's a bit of brown noise with some volume shaping and filter shaping from cable guys and a bit of granular something or other, and I reversed some bits and mm. <laughs> edited about. Oh, my God, okay. This, this is a chopped and changed piece of toast foley. I was expecting it to be a bit easier than it was, actually. <laughs> I could sort of hear that in your voice as you described to me (laughs) the process of editing together this two and a half second long audio joke. (laughs) (laughs) It was, yeah. It's like, this is too difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we have our toast spread with butter, eager, glistening, awaiting this month's jam. What do we got? I give you Hmm. the uh, American singer-songwriter Jewel and her debut album. Pieces of You. Mm-hmm. This is a lady who was born just the year before me in 1974 mm-hmm. and released this album in 1995 when she was 21. Right out. Although the bulk of the songs were written between the ages of 16 and 19. Okay, that makes sense. Now, it came out in 95 mm-hmm. and pretty much bombed. Okay. Didn't chart. Until... Bob Dylan invited her to open for him on tour in 1997. Oh, wow. The album was re-released. Okay. And went on to sell more than 15 million copies, becoming one of the best-selling albums of all time. Oh, my goodness me. That's insane. And I absolutely hate it. (laughs) (laughs) It is an album that I've kept on my shelf ever since buying it in the late 90s Mm. because I hate it so much. And I've deliberately not got rid of it. And let me just expand on some of the reasons no, here. Now, no, I sent you some now, of the... Just, some just of the... before you do, I want to I make one thing very clear. Yeah. And I want to make it clear immediately after you have made clear how much you hate this album. Mm. That um, Mike sent me kind of the name and artist of this album to have a listen. But if I didn't have time for the whole album, then just listen to these tracks. Now, I think kind of out of respect for the fact that the last time I dropped an album as a jam on Mike, Andy Schauff's beautiful neon skyline Mm. that he'd actually taken the time to listen to this whole thing so mike i listened to this thing from end to end that's like 45 (laughs) minutes of my life it's a learning process though okay so you're (laughs) saying that having gone through this fire i will pull something out the other end well i've actually listened to this album several times okay but every time i listen to it i realize how much i hate it and i leave it several (laughs) years before i listen to it again i want to hear everything about your hate for this album now the first thing is right You know, I said, I think last month, about harnessing the untapped wealth of teenagers angsting over acoustic guitars. Yes, yes. yes. This is basically teenage angst meets unimaginative acoustic guitar in its most hideously concentrated form. (laughs) I mean, to start with, Mm -hmm. even without thinking of any of the musical content, just the delivery is almost masturbatory (laughs) in its intense over-emoting. This is insincere, like, flitting between different vocal techniques. It sounds like she's doing bad impressions of, mm. I don't know, Tori Amos, um, mm. Kate Bush, uh, Paula Cole, mm-hmm. Shakira, you know, that kind of yodely upper the thing. The Shakira belt. Yeah, <laughs> I, I need to know the name of that. But yes, she does a bunch of Shakira. I mean, I, I labelled it as strangulated upper register yodeling, I think was what I said. Okay. I mean when was Shakira's first album though? Well she was again big in the 90s the thing is that because I bought it when it came out or when it when it became famous mm. there were a lot of other artists I was listening to at the time like some of those people I mentioned mm. that she was clearly trying to do the thing that they did much better than she did ha. she keeps like self-consciously switching to bits of speech yeah. you know a bit like morissette Yeah, she does that kind of um. oh I'm so emotional I'm almost crying and my voice is breaking mm. up you know that like that hideous thing off, off the wall that Michael Jackson did yeah yes you know she's out of my life and when he goes she's out Oh my life <laughs> at the end like that it's this hideous thing of feeling that you're being bullied into feeling emotion because oh I'm so emotional surely you have to if I believe hard enough you'll believe with me surely you're going to invest in this oh <laughs> <laughs> and add to that, of course, there's this tendency that she has to like rush things mm-hmm. and to sing sharp, to drift sharp, which sets my teeth on edge to start with. Yeah. And it wouldn't be too bad. You know, rough edges can be endearing in folky singer songwriting material. Mm-hmm. If the person isn't clearly trying so hard, mm. you offset it against the fact that we're going through a zillion vocal techniques the whole time. She's clearly in love with herself. Moment to moment. And then you get the crappy bits too. <laughs> oh. And that's just the way it's performed. I was going to say, this is this is an unusual amount of focus for you on kind of lyrical content and on vocal delivery. Obviously, it's something close to your heart. But- oh, I haven't even started on the lyrics yet. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've written a few of them down here. But yeah, tell me something. <laughs> Of your (laughs) favourites? Well, it's got, for a start, there's so much of that kind of noodling blank verse thing that sounds a bit like. Alanis Morissette without the tunes. Mm-hmm. You know, she decides, well, maybe occasionally I'll rhyme something, maybe occasionally I'll structure something, but actually I'll just play four chords and noodle over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's full of cliches as well, like, um, excuse me, I think I've mistaken you for somebody else, somebody who gave a damn, or put on my coat in the pouring rain. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's a classic teenage thing of trying to say shocking, edgy things as if no one else has said it before in the most obvious way imaginable. Okay, what have you got? There's the one where she uses the pejorative f***. it. Yes, many times does she repeat that word. But it's like, okay, say something shocking, but say something interesting about it too, which she completely fails to do. Which by the end of that verse, she hasn't. Or there's one later on where she goes, you know, sometimes I want to rip out your throat, daddy, for all those things you said that were mean. It's got everything in a single line. It's got that shocking thing that's supposed to be shocking to you mm-hmm. and it's pathetic yeah. and it's cliched at the end Lana Del Rey did it better yes well everyone that she references does it better <laughs> it's just awful while we have her as a catalogue of female vocal styles I'm not sure if you've heard much of Annie DeFranco but she's definitely pulling a bunch of that. Oh, right. Joni Mitchell. Yes. Um, Joan Byers. Yeah. It's almost remarkable how many female singer-songwriters are being referenced without it becoming a fusion, without it simply becoming her own style yeah. drawn from a wide variety, You know, which, which surely everyone is. Yeah. But you're right, it does feel, I have here, a poor man's all of these artists. Yeah. Um, and Shakira's first album was released in 1990, so my one hope of defending her there, yeah. <laughs> It's been shot out of the water, yeah. Shot out from under me. Have you ever heard of a podcast called The Mortified Podcast? I haven't, no, what's that? It's a brilliant, really wonderful podcast. Okay. And they have these live shows Mm. where a bunch of people get together in a cafe or a theatre or somewhere, and some of them have come along prepared to read extracts from their diaries or things that they did when they were young teenagers. Wow. That are the most excruciatingly embarrassing things. Oh, you've got a stronger stomach than I do, Mike. And so much of this record sounds like it's been lifted from the Mortified podcast. (laughs) That's how bad the lyrics are for me. Right. And I haven't even said anything about the music either. I was going to say, we, this could all be compositional melodic genius. This could all be production gold for all we've heard so far. But there are almost no melodies I remember from this record having heard it four or five times. Yeah, having heard it an hour and a half ago, me neither. The chord patterns are so often this meandering four chord thing that's kind of a bit rubato because basically she's got kind of got it in muscle memory and so she can just witter on over the top without having to think of anything musically. <laughs> All the figurations for the piano and the guitar are so boring and like daytime TV jobbing <laughs> media composer kind of things. And then, and then to add insult to injury in a song that goes more than six minutes in length and has no musical merit whatsoever... <laughs> she starts doing the lie, die, 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 <laughs> singing the lack of melody with no words as if there's something in there once the words are taken out that has any value at all. I mean, what's the opposite of gilding a rose? Because <laughs> that's surely what she's doing. shes um, It's not even polishing a turd. No. It's um, decomposing a turd. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Murdering a corpse is maybe something like Flogging a dead horse. Oh, not horses again. Come on. I'm just starting to get <laughs> (laughs) over it (laughs) but this is the what's your jam section Mm, yes it is and so it will be a reasonable question to ask why have i featured the record i hate the most in the whole world every record and the reason i keep it on my shelf and come back to it from time to time is just to remind myself Mm. that even on my very worst day (laughs) (laughs) anything I create will always be better than one of the best-selling records ever. You know, anything I produce can have some value because people said that this thing had value in the past as well. Yeah, okay, that sounds like a useful talisman. I've known this record for more than 20 years, (laughs) and every time I come back to it, including this time, I come back to it after several years of not listening to it, and I think, it can't be that bad. I mean, surely I've mellowed out a bit. (laughs) And I swear to God, I was listening to it this time, and I think it was at about two and a half minutes that I had my face in my hand and I was swearing loudly. <laughs> <laughs> that is magnificent to hear. It really is. It's hideousness never fades. <laughs> now, that's the first reason I like it. The second one is that it's just a reminder that there's no accounting for taste, Right. but in a positive way. Because there's no accounting for taste, there's space in the world for every kind of music, mm-hmm. even that music I absolutely hate. And even if something's totally polarizing, even if I absolutely hate it, clearly other people really loved it. Yeah, people have found deep meaning. And, and and if you look at that from the opposite direction, if I do something that someone completely hates, I can go, okay, there's room in the world for stuff that some people totally hate as much as I hate this record. There's an artist who I peripherally connected with. And when I told my older brother that I was going to be doing some work with him, all right, um, my older brother said, oh, yeah. That's the kind of music that, that sounds like it was written to be sold in Acosta's. <laughs> and I realized in that moment that I just discovered the review I would least like to have. <laughs> that I would rather write something that was reviled, mm. as you say, that was decried as being the death of music and totally valueless, than something that sounded like it was written to be kind of lukewarm. Yes yeah inoffensive is one of the most offensive words i know weirdly well and also there's a thing about criticism in a general sense isn't there that the value of any reviewer to me in any field Mm. is the value of the range of their opinions interesting like there's a friend of mine who's a real music enthusiast Mm. but he always just raves about things yeah so you can't trust when he recommends something to you because he raves about everything yeah it's completely (laughs) meaningless so the, you have you've got to have range. Mm-hmm. You've got to have the you know the zero star review for the five star review to mean anything. Completely true. This whole reviewing thing is another aspect of this record's value to me. Mm. Even if there are fifteen million people who bought this record, who spent at the time like fifteen quid to buy the record. Yeah, it's still okay to think it is catastrophically <laughs> to have that opinion. Well, I was going to say, were there profits standing alone in the desert? Oh, there were a select few. Okay easily the best review i've seen of it was from a guy called robert Christgau in the village voice was this in 95 or 97 it was in 1996 presumably just as this album was beginning to get some notice Mm. but basically he sums up my feelings about this record in two sentences oh impressive here we go right okay i'm ready he starts off strong (laughs) (laughs) this is the bad folky joke to end all bad folky jokes Okay. That's the first one. So he, so he gets the boot in there. Can there be any more to be said? And then he then he justifies it. He goes, with her self-righteousness, her self-dramatization, her abiding love for her own voice, her breathy little girl innocence and breathless baby doll sexuality, her useless ideas about prejudice, injustice and let us not forget abuse, she may well prove as insufferable as any hollow-bodied guitarist ever to get away with craving the world's attention. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's emptied both barrels. (laughs) He's left it all out on the field. (laughs) Heavens to Betsy. That's a damning review if ever I have heard one. <laughs> and I've heard a few. But something like that is kind of like a validation that it's okay to hate a record. Mm. And that's part of what this is to me. And that's why, yeah. you know, I'm sure when I die and they clear up my room, they will find this dusty copy of Jules' Pieces of You <laughs> still sitting on my shelf. And if I have any influence at the time, I will ensure that it's played at your funeral. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It only remains for us now to thank our sponsors. Yes. Uh, Mike, I'm actually thrilled about this. This is a company I've been excited about for a while. This is Splitting Hairs, and they are on a one-company crusade Mm. against the kind of disposable throwaway culture that we have here Mm. today in music. The waste. I mean, I have to confess that before coming across them, if I was playing guitar myself and I, I broke a string... I would literally throw it away. I'd get a new string and I'd put it on the guitar. A huge waste. Mm. So, of course, Splitting Hairs does the obvious thing. And it custom makes you two new guitars of the appropriate lengths of the broken (laughs) halves of the string. Thus giving new life to metal that you would have otherwise just thrown away and you've got your treble ukulele version and, and i have my trebitone ukulele like i have lots of different sized one string guitars and it's wonderful ideal for double tracking it really is mm. they've been doing this for years now they're actually um asking us to shout them out because they've got a new range of products yeah mike i don't know if you've ever played any woodwind instruments uh, not personally, no. Yeah, well, so this is a, a sister company of theirs called Wind in the Reeds. <laughs> and <laughs> okay. what lots of, say, saxophonists will know mm. is that um, after playing on it for a while, the, the small piece of wood, the reed, the sound maker, will split. Ah, uh, yes. And I'm ashamed to say that there was a time when I would simply throw that piece of wood away. But nowadays... How could you? Wind in the Reeds will just make you two custom-made smaller saxophones <laughs> with narrower mouthpiece. Genius. Absolute. Just It's so <laughs> obvious once you say it and you can kind of slide the splinters into those smaller new instruments. Amazing. They are they are an inspiring company doing inspiring work. Mm. Speaking of inspiring, we are hoping that you're feeling inspired because we need your inspiration. Mike, do you want to take it away? Yes, we need your inspiration. Not only for our Headstone Epitaph competition In memory of Q But also because we are thinking of boldly launching some Project Studio Tea Break branded merchandise So boldly, so boldly In the, come on let's say in the potentially near future Quite possibly probable future, yes Quite possibly (laughs) Now, which involves us Thinking up clever things to put on them. Mm. Or better still, you thinking up clever things to put on them. Indeed. We'd way prefer that. If you have these clever merchandise put onable things to transmit to us, mm. you can do it through our website at www.projectstudio.teabreak.com via the email address at teabreak.com at ProjectStudioTeaBreak.com. Can they do it on the social media as well, John? Oh, you know that they can. You can do it on Twitter, at PSTB Tweets. You can do it on Facebook, at PSTB Books. And so next month, Mike and I will be... we're not legally allowed to talk to each other if it's not being recorded and then broadcast as a podcast. Mm. So we will be discussing live on air mm. any ideas we scrape together and anything we have received from you. Indeed. So we look forward very much to hearing those ideas. And in the meantime, if you want yet more nonsense, then do head over to our Patreon campaign mm-hmm. where there are, oh, so many new Patreon extras. We have content about elephants, about cheese... And some of our favourite concept albums The concept albums are very strong Join Leon and Rhino Yes In snapping up some of that premium fresh out the oven uh, bonus content uh, Mike, are you plugging this month? Uh, nothing particular to plug this month actually No It just shows how busy I've been <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to plug the concept of kindness Indeed Who hopefully will give us some money I- I'm not sure Yes But we'll see Have a lovely month, everyone. And we'll see you in the next thrilling episode of Project Studio Tea Break. Ta-ra, pets. Ta-ra!